Hey, this is Mark Thompson. I'm the voice of Yoda and many of the Star Wars audiobooks, and you are listening to Yodini. Welcome to the Living Force Podcast. For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the Old Republic. A Utini production. Luminous beings, so we, not this crude matter. Episode 97, Light of the Jedi Roundtable, Part 1. I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. On this episode, new book reviews. Page turners. They were not. A Star Wars News Roundup. That's... Good news. And the Utini team talks about the new High Republic novel, Light of the Jedi, by Charles Soule. Take a seat, young Skywalker. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Living Force! I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight on our long-awaited Light of the Jedi roundtable is the full house of hosts. We got Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, man. What's up? Ready to talk Jedi. Ah, Old Republic. High Republic. Whatever the hell this is. Ah! (laughs) We also got Dr. Charles Hankel. Hey, dude. How do I have the same level of energy? Uh, Jazz fingers? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, my God. Perfect. Perfect. And, of course, rounding us all up, the ball of energy, the light, the fire, the sea of the force, Wes Jenkins. What's up, everybody? I finished the book. I finished the book before yes. roundtable. Yay! <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, welcome to all of you listening, watching, all of you in the chat here tonight. We are so, so stoked to give you our first part of our three-part roundtable on Charles Soule's Light of the Jedi, the first novel of the High Republic. Long-awaited, well-reviewed, and cannot wait to talk all about it. But before we do, just a couple of things. We're going to Patreon first because we want to welcome Kyle Cormacan, which is a Star Wars name if I ever heard one. He's a smuggler off Corellia. Kyle Cormacan, welcome to the Utini Patreon. We're happy to have you here. I hope this energy is going to make you not uh, quit. Uh, additionally, if you're on our Patreon and you're sticking around with us, this Friday evening, the four of us are going to get together, probably have some libations, and watch the 1999 classic. George Lucas directed The Phantom Menace. That's right, episode one commentary coming your way. Fellas, how stoked are you about this? We're going to watch oh, Phantom Menace together. Joke. We've never done this. Super stoked. No. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. We've, never, we've never watched a... We watched. Uh, we did a watch party with uh, like the whole team one time and watched Revenge of the Sith. We've never watched just the four of us a movie. It's going to be fun. We're getting yeah. really drunk, right? Yeah. Uh, right all right, relax, man. Maybe some of us <laughs> just want to watch the movie. <laughs> by the time we hit the boo. <laughs> Uh, but we'll have a great time. Again, if you're a member of Patreon at any level, you'll get access to that. We're so excited. Uh, Charles, you did such a, a, frankly, fantastic job reading with your lovely, melodious voice our Patreon of the Week last time. Would you mind doing that again for us this week? Yeah, man. Thank you for complimenting my voice so I didn't have to. Uh, this <laughs> week, we are reading from Maggie, a.k.a. Te Millennial Falcon, in our <laughs> Discord. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Uh, Maggie says, hey, I'm Maggie. I'm from South Carolina. 
me too. And I got into Star Wars as a little kid. Hey, me too. My dad got me and my brother out of school on the release day for each of the special edition theatrical releases in 1997, and I've never looked back. I've seen every movie since opening night. Oh, every movie since on opening night. I found the books through my middle school library and a stray copy of Rogue Squadron, and it was on. Our local bookstore is next to the grocery store, so while my parents shopped, I would wander next door to find my next EU adventure. As far as favorites go, it's always going to be Leia. She loses everything, her parents, her planet, her brother, her entire family, and has every reason to despair, but she only grows more determined. Her journey from plucky princess to respected leader and ultimately general and master is told in every medium, movies, comics, and books, and I love them all for what they explore about her. Tatooine Ghost has a soft spot in my heart for letting us see Leia get to know her grandmother and Anakin through Shmi's journal. I found Utini through the podcast, had a long commute, and went looking for something Star Wars to listen to. I found the Queen Shadow Roundtable episodes and decided yeah! to try I haven't missed an episode since. You guys are genuine, and just to have such a love for the universe and watching it every week just reminds me of how I feel about our galaxy far, far away. Joining Patreon was an easy decision. The community fostered by Utini is so positive and welcoming. Who wouldn't want to join? I can't think of a question for our host, so I'll just say thank you for this community and for what it means to those of us in the Utini fam. Wow. Thank you, Maggie. And that's exactly what we are. We're a Utini fam, and we're glad you're a part of it. Absolutely. We see you in the chat as well. Maggie is here tonight. So a special hello, hello. Uh, ah, that's lovely. It's great. Those Patreon of the Weeks, I feel like, started as a way to like highlight our patrons, but it's just us making ourselves feel good every week as well. So I'm not going to lie. It's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> now, just moving right along with this show, because Charles, as we said last week, has how many pages of notes to get through in three weeks? I think I said 13, and I lied because it's 14. <laughs> Charles, please stop lying to our listeners. Uh, but we are still going to go quickly because we have time for a Star Wars Weekly Roundup. I don't have the cool effects that Corey had. Corey, can you intro the Star Wars Weekly Roundup with your effect? Yes, can do that? I can. Welcome to the Star Wars Weekly Roundup. Awesome. God. I, I'm going to listen to that every single morning. Uh, this okay. week on, in the Star Wars world, we got some cool High Republic news because we got the first episode of the High Republic YouTube show. It was fantastic. It was like 25 minutes long. It had a new character video for Bell Zetafar. Those animated shorts they've been doing for the High Republic are amazing. They had a roundtable discussion with Charles Soule and Justia Ireland. And we got some cool new character reveals, including Orla Jorini, the Wayseeker from Claudia Gray's Into the Dark, out tomorrow. And we found out the name of the protagonist of The Edge of Balance, the manga coming out, which is Lily Toraasi. And we also found out that Stellan Geos, who we've met already, and a new Wookiee named Arkoff, a Wookiee Jedi, are going to be starring in that manga as well. So, Corey, could you throw some of those character pictures up on the screen for our friends at home? Yes. Read them to me again because you're going fast. I'm going so fast. I'm, I'm charged. This is Orla Jarini. She is a Wayseeker Jedi in Claudia Gray's Into the Dark. She is Umbaran. And she's got that sweet hinged white lightsaber, like dark ray. You guys see that? Yeah, I think it's sweet. And I don't I don't really know if this is this thing original. Like, have we ever seen this before in a in a Star Wars work, like before uh the Rise of Skywalker? I mean, it's pretty it's pretty creative. Uh I think the the temple guards have something similar. Um oh, okay. but I don't know if they ever use it in that like double uh yeah. configuration. Sure, totally. Yeah, we got her. And then who we got next on the slides? There we go. Lily Tora Asi with those awesome like sword lightsaber hilts. Those things are dope as hell. They're pretty yes, cool. They are super cool. Somebody pointed out 
pretty hilariously. There's literally no reason whatsoever for them to be hanging on her belt like that. So I wonder if they're gonna. Ad- <laughs> I wonder if they're gonna address that because there's like they're like sticking out of her hips. Yeah, I think what they are is uh, awesome, and they look cool. <laughs> Maybe right. they're magnets. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then next up, we got, I believe, who's up next on our slides here? In our uh, grand old go, reveals. Oh, yeah, so this is another announcement. This is Stellan Geos doing his best Moon Knight impression in the upcoming Star Wars <laughs> Life Day Treasury. That's right, y'all. We are getting a new anthology book from George Mann. Uh, so very myths and fables, dark legendsy, but he's being joined by his best friend Kevin Scott. That's right, Kevin Scott is going to be writing these stories with George, and Grant Griffin is bringing up the art as we see on screen here. And y'all, it's getting eight stories about Life Day. Look at those Ewoks in the snow. Look how cute they are. Yes, that's amazing. And that scary looking Wampa monster thing in the background. I think this product that is. I just, is? I've looked at this all. Yeah, it totally is. I didn't even see that. I thought Me that was neither. a tree. <laughs> yeah, demon. that's sick. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be coming out in September, which, uh, lastly, we have I don't know. There's Arkoff. There's our, look at this buff Wookiee Jedi. He's like burly. <laughs> yeah, he's a burly a boy. <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to be in the, in the manga as well, which is super fun because I know uh, Stellan Geos is going to be in that. He's also going to be in Rising Storm. I, I like how they're taking characters and kind of like putting them in a bunch of different works at the beginning. So we're, we're really getting a lot of depth in each uh, kind of different medium for these guys. So very stoked about that. If y'all have not seen the first episode of the higher public show, you got to check it out. It's so good. It's so fun. Christina Ariel did an amazing job hosting. And I believe that's going to be a monthly show. It's going to have exclusive reveals like this. That's where we find out about the new book, about the new characters, stuff like that. Um, and it's going to have more interviews with a lot more writers, a lot more creators. It's going to be very, very fun. And of course, as a reminder, you can find all the releases they talk about on that show at our website on our new releases page. Uh, most notably, of course, tomorrow, as we're recording this, Into the Dark by Claudia Gray comes out February 2nd. Reviews are going to be up on Utini. Tomorrow, the written review, uh, which was written by our very own Meg Dowell, and the video review will be on our YouTube channel, done by our very own Emma. One more announcement that we want to go over. Uh, Our We Art All the Republic giveaway is still technically going on right now. That's our fan art uh, kind of contest we've been having for your very own High Republic sketches in order to win some cool Utini merch as well as an exclusive Light of the Jedi copy. And have y'all been seeing these on Twitter? There's some awesome entries already. I'm loving them. Have you seen these? Yes. Yes, They look look super good. And we said last week... um, we said last week that we were considering opening up to international. We got a huge, huge response too that we are definitely need to do that. So we did open it yeah. up to internationally. So uh, welcome, international folks. Uh, we always, you, you dumb, we dumb Americans. We always forget how uh, <laughs> how big our international community is. It is pretty large, and we have a lot of really talented artists. So, um, yep, don't let that hold you back from entering. Yeah, the artwork has been fantastic so far. It's so much fun seeing these come in. Yeah, really, really freaking love them. Keep them coming. Uh, And as a reminder, entries are accepted until February 4th. uh, And then public voting will come on February 5th. Again, keep your eye on the Utini underscore US Twitter account where we will announce all that. And next week on this very podcast on the 8th, we will announce the winner with, of course, 48 hours to respond, yada, yada. (sighs) Very excited. Very excited for all your cool stuff. Now, at this point in the show, we would do book reviews, but. That's what this show is. It's a giant book review of Light of the Jedi. So we're going to skip those for now and go straight 
to our baller new merch ads. Can we please throw that up on the screen to show the great people what they can get from the Utini store? band as well apparently uh, but designing all these great shirts i uh, can't see it quite behind the mic but i am wearing my uh my great disaster two that's the wrong way to go here we go my 232 bby uh great disaster light of the jedi shirt and um we got two other shirts we revealed there we have the ray low shirt which Corey, i want you to talk about in a sec but we also have the we are all the republic shirt which is my my personal new favorite it has We Are All the Republic written in Arabesh, and also all the lines there are the colors of the lightsabers by the numbers of all the Jedi we've met so far in the High Republic. Like, Jose That's went awesome. out of his mind on that shirt. Yeah. <clears throat> so here are, the, here are the two shirts. Um, that one is the the We Are All the Republic shirt. It's got all the lightsabers on there. Um, this is the Raylo shirt. Those are, yes, those are, in fact, my two dogs, uh, Ray and Kylo. Um, funny story about that, about that shirt. In case you missed our... In case you missed our Christmas party this year, someone, they made that for me and gave it, excuse me, they made it for me and gave it to me, um, and uh, it's it's my favorite. My wife loved it, though, and she stole it, so I had to get Jose to send me another one. <laughs> <laughs> and now you can have them. There, there are now multiple animal shirts. You get your Morton shirt, you get your Raylo shirt. Um, I, I'm sure that uh, the other puppies are, are only too soon to follow, but yeah. all that stuff is up right now, and uh, I got to say, I am, I'm loving what we're doing. But I yeah. gotta, I gotta be honest. I'm also so freaking excited for official High Republic merch to come. Whether that be shirts, whether that be like we've gotten the socks, we got the pins. Like, if you guys could pick one piece of High Republic merch, this will be the last thing we talk about before we get into the book. Uh, well, maybe not piece- the last thing, Eric. Maybe we forgot. Well, you don't know. We forgot to talk about one of the merch items that huh. apparently has gone out that only our Patreon crew knows about. And well, did we? <laughs> I am currently wearing this. Oh my god! Corey didn't see when <laughs> I was. Oh my god! When we oh my god! Up. But this is uh, this is my I cool hat. Cannot shirt. believe you got that shirt already, Wes. Good God <laughs> Almighty! I made uh. sure that I got the most obnoxious color, so I got purple, and then oh my it's god. really good on this yellow face. This is background my pool hat. <laughs> 
Where's the lie, Corey? Where's the lie? Oh, my God. That is Oh, my gosh. In case, if you are If you are not one of our, our patrons, you missed out on the quite inebriated experience that was my read-through of I, Jedi, and... <laughs> Somehow it turned into a bit that I wore a bunch of hats. I don't know how that happened, but I had a lot of hats. I had Caitlin go find all the hats in our house. And I just wore them all. And that one that Wes has is my pool hat because, of course, Jose turns it into a flipping shirt. Of course. <laughs> that's that's beautiful. All right. Well, you know what? I don't know. Can we even go on from that? Like, what? Do you, other than the pool hat shirt, which is the epitome of fashion, of class, of everything the world wants to be, what would you guys want? In the High Republic merch, obviously, I'm Funko Pops. I'll just, I'll just admit what you're all thinking. I want my High Republic Funkos. Mm-hmm. What do you guys mm-hmm. want first? I want, I want lightsabers. Like, ooh, any yeah. of the lightsabers, like any of them. Like, like we have all the traditional lightsabers. Like you have the Ahsoka lightsabers on your wall above you, Eric. Um, but like of that, of that style and that quality, I would love to get like. Like maybe one with the leather. I haven't oh, seen all the yeah. lightsabers, but something with like leather on it. it looks very old Republic. That would be sick. Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, West Charles, what do you guys think? Well, you know, um, I, I wrote this down as a quote, and we'll talk about it later. But um, Martian Rose gloves. I'd like Ooh. one like a big glove, like a Hulk hand that holds my beer. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> wow. Excellent. Excellent. That's oddly specific. Yes, it is. Um, and I will take any any of the Nile masks. Any Ooh, of them. Ooh, that's yeah. a good one, oh, too. Yeah, 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 that's a great one. Yeah, that's... Very responsible. Wear your Nile masks out in the store. People will stay six yeah. feet away from you, I guarantee it. <laughs> oh, man. That's fantastic. Right. Well, on that note, let us now... Uh, Let's just get out with the show, shall we? Let us, Charles, you have all these parts. You have all these notes. I'm so excited. <laughs> Folks all around the world, Light of the Jedi, Roundtable, part one, engage. Charles, go! Part one, here we go. All right, y'all, we're going to do things a little bit differently this time around in that we're going to talk about what happened in this story point by point before we start getting to any of the prompts. So here we go, a plot synopsis of Light of the Jedi, by Charles Soule. So the book opens with a great disaster when a ship called the Legacy Run is taking a group of refugees to a new planet. However, there's suddenly something in the hyperspace lane within which it's flying, and though the captain tries to avoid it, the ship can't take the stress and it breaks apart. We cut to several people around the galaxy going about their daily lives when suddenly pieces of the destroyed ship enter the sector of space and wreak havoc, killing nearly everyone. One world in particular, Hetzel, is able to raise the alarm and reach out to the Jedi to ask for assistance. Jedi Master Avar Chris arrives aboard a Republic Defense Coalition ship and together with other Jedi manages to save the system from certain destruction. Cut now to the Nile, a group of marauders in the Outer Rim led by Markian Rowe who helps them all pull off near impossible jobs with the use of secret hyperspace lanes called paths. Meanwhile, the Republic is able to get to the bottom of the mystery of the Legacy Run and realizes that many pieces of this ship have yet to emerge from hyperspace and will undoubtedly cause further destruction. With the help of a young tech genius named Kevin Tarr and a network of thousands of Navidroids, the Republic is able to figure out how to predict these emergences and move to capture the piece containing the flight recorder to provide more answers as to what happened. However, a group of Nile have the same goal. 
A second group of Nile is sent to the planet Elfrona to capture a family and ransom them off. Little do they know, a group of Jedi, including Loden Greatstorm and his Padawan Bel Zedifar, are at the outpost and are contacted to stop the Nile. A major battle ensues that puts all Jedi involved to the test. Nearly every family member is saved, but Loden ultimately finds himself captured by the Nile. A second major battle between the Nile and Republic forces is occurring over the flight recorder, but rather than save his troops, Markian Rowe uploads hyperspace routes to the Nile ships that send them all smashing into their enemies, killing everyone. Markian Rowe reassembles the Nile and uses their recent losses to inspire them to a new mission, to amass their forces and move from the outer rim to the rest of the galaxy. Back on Rowe's flagship, Loden Greatstorm sits in a prison for unknown purposes. Chancellor Lena So's Starlight Beacon, a new Republic space station, is officially brought online. Many Jedi have assembled there, including Avar Chris, who will now take the mantle as leader of the Starlight Beacon's Jedi Temple. Following the ceremony, Chris's compatriot Elzar Mann has a terrible force premonition detailing suffering and death across the galaxy by the hand of what seems to be Marky and Roe wielding a new, unknown, yet ancient weapon. Guys, round of applause and there you have for it, Charles the in the Jedi. chat. Nice, in dude. Yes, absolutely. Two minutes or less. <laughs> oh my That's goodness, it, I am. Nice. I don't know what to say. Wow. Thank you, uh, guys. Let's go around. Let's rate this book on a one to ten scale. Again, I know you're excited, Eric, but don't say why just yet. Just give me the number, and we'll come back around at the end. So, Eric, why, why don't you kick right. us off, Charles? If I had to rate Light of the Jedi, I would give it a perfect <laughs> 10 out of 10. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that was Marcion Rowe or Bernie Sanders, Well, what's the young version of the other? That, that's my Marcion Rowe. 10 out of 10. Or else I would say... He, he would be wearing mittens if it was Bernie. <laughs> also, the totals. 10 out of 10. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Wow. Uh, no pressure. Wes, what do you think? Well, I did not listen to the audiobook on this one. I read it, and I wish I had li- read it and listened to the audiobook because of all the praises that y'all gave. Um, but I will give it I will give it a 9.8. It Dang. was very mm, That's high. Very, that's the highest you've ever rated a book, good. I believe, Wes. So if you all listen to the podcast a lot, you would know that is the highest ranking Wes has given a book in quite some time. It is. <laughs> That's my love and great story. I don't know what's happening with Corey. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I am also going to give Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule a perfect Let's 10 go! out of 10. Let's wow. go! Charles, awesome. 7.1. Yes. All right. <laughs> I, I am going to lowball it for uh, for the sake of lowballing, and I'm going to give it a 9.5. A 9.5. 9.5. We all know. Yes. It will Man, be coming up by the end of the roundtable. Listen, I ha- exactly. I have to leave space to come Man, up by the end it, of this three hours of talking. That's right. Guys, before. guys, okay. we're in a low ball great storm over here. You know? <laughs> I guess that's better yes, than no balls great storm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on that note, let's, let's jump into the characters portion of this roundtable, y'all. Really? Okay. I'm, I'm already going to interrupt. Oh I already have to All interrupt. Right. All right, Charles, I want I want to talk about the pronunciation 
of yes! Martian slash right. Markion Row because okay. the chat is going yep. to bring this up a bunch of times because there is a lot of inconsistency. And you have explained this better than anybody. Can you explain okay. this a little bit really yeah. fast? So this is interesting, and it's one of those things, you know, uh, Han and Han, I guess you could say, because the audiobook for Light of the Jedi says Martian Row every time with the shh sound. Um, so that's Mark Thompson's, you know, reading of that name. However, the person who created the character, Charles Soule, specifically says Markeon Rowe in all of his interviews and actually in the most recent uh, High Republic uh, show that mm-hmm. came out, they also said Markeon Rowe every time they, they questioned Charles Soule. So I just happen to like how that sounds better, and I'm going to be saying that, and I think it makes sense to say what came from the creator of the character, but say Marshawn if you want. I don't think there's a right or wrong way. And from- I will probably say Martian accidentally because I, mm-hmm. I mostly listen to the audiobook and I will, I will probably default to Martian, but I, th- I think there's a wrong pronunciation. Yeah. That's what's fun about Star Wars names. They're all impossible yeah. to freaking yeah. sound I just, out. Every time I say Martian, I think of Martian, and then I just think of, of Martian Rowe showing up to the <laughs> Nile and being like, I'm just here so I don't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Marshawn Lynch. So that's, that's why I choose. Uh, but also for more oh info God. on that, uh, when we talked to Mark Thompson in our interview <clears> last <throat> year, uh, which is in uh, I believe on our YouTube channel and all of our uh, podcast links, he talked extensively about that. We asked him if he if he chooses the pronunciation or he gets a guide. So check out that interview. He goes into it uh, in a lot of detail. That's all I got. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well let's hop into some character talk, y'all. There are a metric ton of new characters in this book, and we're undoubtedly going to see them get fleshed out more as we get more High Republic material. But first, I actually want to take a step back, and I want to focus on the factions within which those characters are operating. And then we can talk about some individuals. And the first people I think we have to talk about in a book called Light of the Jedi is the Jedi. And so the Jedi in this novel were both familiar and unique, I think. They felt similar to Jedi that we see in the prequel era, uh, in fact, there are a couple that were actually from the prequel era. And on the other hand, they they felt a lot more pure, like an intense version of what we saw in the prequels. What was your impression of High Republic Jedi compared to what we've seen before? Ooh. That's Dang. a good question. Uh, they, I think they, I don't think they quite felt, okay, so I think there's going to be a lot of comparisons to like the Bane novelization mm-hmm. or the Bane trilogy, right? Like as we talk about this stuff, because that's the old Republic. That's like some of the best old Republic contents that have been created. Uh, and I think the Jedi are very different in this book than they are in the Bane trilogy. Like, in fact, they're more flawed and, and stuff in the Bane trilogy. Like you can see the reflections of a lot of the stuff that happens in the prequels in the Bane trilogy. So, I mean, I like what you said. They're, pure intense versions of them they do seem truer perhaps like they marketed this whole thing as like the knights of the round table mm-hmm. and it certainly yeah. felt like that to I me i think this the jedi in this era are really defined at least as far as how soul talks about it in interviews and how he shows it in this book by how they listen to the force i mean yoda is unique in the prequels because he listens to the force more than anyone right that's his whole thing and now you can see totally why he does that because avar listens for the song um, Elzar Man listens and finds the sea. Bell listens for the fire. Like they, they, they each have their different way. Yeah. They, they commune with the Force, but they all do, and that's base level. Whereas I think in the prequels, that makes Yoda exceptional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's like true. my favorite line in the in the book. I'm just, uh, there's gonna be a ton of them. I'm sure that come up. But it was uh, Bell Zedifar danced with fire, and Loden Greatstorm danced with wind. 
I was like, number yes. one, beautiful yeah. poetry, but two, it's like, but I, that tells you yeah. so much right off the bat. Yeah. yeah, sure. There seems to be like a philosophical difference between the Jedi of the High yeah, Republic yeah. and the Jedi yep. of the prequels, mm. right? Like they're they're all connected to the Force in a different way. There's there's none of this. The dark side clouds yeah. everything, bullcrap. Like it's like they're just in tune Dude, with the freaking yeah. John Dutch Vander just said that is. in the chat. There's no, maybe there's no dark side to cloud it, so they can hear it more clearly. The song rings out. Oh, nice. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. There you go. They definitely there you go. seem more Perfect. calm, but they also seem more idealistic from the people watching them. I guess. So mm, it's like mm -hmm. they were being they it's were true. being uh, viewed as as gods, I guess, and they didn't want to be seen that way. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you know, we interestingly we have a little bit uh, of what Charles Soule had to say himself about the Jedi that he was writing because he did this Polygon interview, and he actually said the first thing I would say is that the idea of light of the Jedi in the High Republic, the way that the Jedi are depicted in the Initiative, is not to reinvent or change or challenge what we know about them. It's simply to deepen it and depict them in an era when things were different. The Jedi that we saw in the prequels, which is where we basically saw a robust Jedi order so far, was under the specter of a pretty corrupt Senate and a manipulative Sith Lord who had been doing everything that he could behind the scenes to undermine the Jedi order for a very long time. We don't have that influence, and so we have a Jedi order that is able to explore its connection to the Force in a very deep way for a long time, which is great. So he's saying a lot of what you guys are saying, maybe and what the chat is saying, maybe it's that fact that the dark side that we know from the Sith is missing, and so we're maybe seeing them through a different lens. It's the same basic idea, but kind of more focused. Yeah, it's, it's so much harder to work effectively yeah. when you're under the gun, right? Like, the Jedi in the prequels are always like, well, the Senate hates us, and they're going to try to outmaneuver us. Whereas in this book, it's so refreshing to see Chancellor So be like, oh, and then we'll call in the Jedi. Like, that, it's, it's assumed, and it's kind of, they all, yeah. and they're, they're going to work together. So we don't even have to argue about that. And it's like, oh, my God, it's, it's kind of a commentary on workplace environments, honestly. Like, if you're just like, <laughs> cool, we're all going to work together. Yeah. We don't have to fight about that. Great, moving on. Mm -hmm. Love that. Yeah, they're, they're, they're much less, like, uh, at the will mm -hmm. of the Senate, too, it feels like. Like, there, 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 wasn't, there wasn't a ton of discussion, really, about politics, I don't think, in this book, in, this, in the High Republic mm -hmm. yet. Like, because we're all we're in the outer rim the whole time, for the most part. But um, there was a little bit, and you could kind of sense it between the lines a little bit, that, like, they seem to do what they want, and the Senate and the Chancellor can't really tell yeah. them what to do. Like, as long as, they're, as, long as the mission is in, is in line with the Jedi ideal, then... Yeah, yeah, it's fine, and and they're going to participate, right? But there doesn't seem to be that 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 sort of political. Do we help them this right. time or not? Right, like, that seems to be less of a less of a thing, which I've always wondered about because the Republic is funding the Jedi Order and their right. massive temple, right? Like that's, that's taxpayer <laughs> money paying for that, right? So, like, don't they have a don't they have a way to a you know how how much yeah. control well, do they actually have? So cool, I think, that. And, and I'm sure you're going to get to this in a second, Charles. About about the characters is they were heroic, like that. They they went to help because that's what Jedi do. You know, Bell and Lo. There wasn't a question about do we have to check in with Avar Chris before we go down to the planet and save these people. It's like mm -hmm. no, we go where the darkness is and we are justice and we help. And that it's understood. And it's like oh, yeah. you. I don't think I realized how different that is from the prequel era until you read this book and you're like. Oh no! Yeah. Oh no! That's not what they were doing. You know. <laughs> I feel like if this was an experiment, 
This group of Jedi would be the control group, right? Control yes! group, everything is being that. judged on. <laughs> is it the prequel yep. Jedi or the OT? Um, yeah. This group in the High Republic era is the control group that everything is is compared against. <laughs> Yeah, if you did like older variable <laughs> Chancellor Palpatine. <laughs> like if you had that older sibling in high school that was like on the basketball team and got straight A's, it's like, oh, you're Avar Chris's brother? Oh, she was great. She was really good. <laughs> it's like, I get it. Mace Windu's like, God damn it, I knew it. Oh my god. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, that said, I think we can look at this kind of from the other angle. For any of you, did it feel like the High Republic Jedi were too perfect? Or do you think that's kind of exactly what they were going for in the, the kind of Knights of the Round Table stuff that you were mentioning earlier, Corey? They were they were certainly trying to pull in some of those like Arthurian themes, integrity, loyalty, camaraderie. But was it were they too perfect or, or were you OK with how they were right. represented? You know, I I actually thought about this a lot while I was listening to you because I kept expecting it to be cringy. Sure, yeah. Like uh, th- I think uh-huh. this is the good word a good word for it. I kept expecting it to be we are the hero Jedi here to save the day, but that was not how it was at all. Like at least to me, it didn't really strike me as like that. And I'd say something else I really appreciated about this was the like how it, how it would highlight a lot of their flaws and and they discussed it so openly and without like shame and stuff the way that the 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 prequel trilogy does like for example there is obviously a a romance type of relationship between avar chris and elzar man Mm -hmm. right like that is obviously thing there was a whole scene about it where they're in that little park area on the at the end of the book right and um like they openly discuss that, you know, those feelings that that's of the past and, you know, we, we don't really do that anymore. But there is they flirt with each yeah. other and everything is fine. So there's like it's it's not this. We have to hide and be ashamed and all this stuff like it was in the prequel yeah. trilogy. Right. I, like, I feel like we, we've gotten to the point in a lot of kind of modern fiction where if you're not cynical, then you're cringy. Right. I, I, I like the way you put that, Corey, that like it, it, it feels cringe sometimes because the world is very easy nowadays to be cynical in. And I think that. Uh, all of them in the higher public were very clear from the beginning of this incentive that or that they were all optimistic like the it's, the galaxy is at peace the galaxy is okay you know and i think that seeing heroes that are just being good people and being heroic was kind of a a weird shock to the system in an age when we get a lot of cynical star wars books about you know the empire and the first order and like life is hard but just seeing good people do their best to try to be good people I, I agree. I don't think it was cringy. I think it was admirable, yeah. and I think that it was really great to see heroes like that, um, being being Jedi. You know, yeah. If Trevor in the chat put it really well. He says there's a lot of self evaluation yeah, from totally. various characters' point of view. Mm-hmm. That's a good. Yep. That's, a, that's a good way to put it. Like that, and yeah. I. I think. <laughs> so I'm reading about the ships now in the chat with Elzar and Avar. I can't wait. I can't wait for more of that. And, and we'll talk about their relationship in a little bit, but it interests me that you guys brought up that this it, it wasn't cringy necessarily just because there was clear delineation of good and evil. Because, I mean, if you think back to A New Hope, the fount from which all Star Wars springs, right? It, it very much was good <laughs> and evil, like light and dark. Like yeah. it, it, it could have been cringy. I, I don't think it was, but this kind of does really drive back to to the original trilogy mm-hmm. and specifically the original film i think in that yeah, way yeah totally so you know regardless of your feelings on the jedi themselves and their ideals 
their power in this story is absolutely <laughs> undeniable. So let's talk a little bit about the force abilities that we saw that were new or or just kind of <clears throat> impressive in this story. Yes, please. I'm going to name kind of a list of them here, uh-huh. and then y'all yeah. jump in and, and pick whichever ones you want. So Avar Chris uses battle meditation, yep. not called battle meditation, but it totally was. Uh, Porter Angle uses saber throws. He blocks blaster bolts with his bare hands. He contemplates freezing a blaster bolt in midair, just like Kylo Ren in The Force yeah, Awakens. Oh, sorry, sorry, Charles, I mean to cut you um, off, but you mean you mean the yeah, blade of Bardata, Porter Angle, I do. Right? <laughs> this I should have used this full name. No, I, I, I got to say, yes. I, I read the book and I liked him. <laughs> Listen to the audiobook. You will build a shrine to this man. Porter Angle is a king. Yeah. <laughs> he has this deep, scary voice. Like, Mark Thompson was yeah. on a new level playing this oh, one. It was Bill. fantastic. Like, and the way Bell talks about seeing him and, and, like, feeling the power inside him, being like, oh, my God, if this guy cracks, he will kill everything he wants to. And he's like, all right, everyone, I will. Like, ugh. Sorry. Yeah, Porter Angle. <laughs> no, absolutely. And, you know, he and Lode and Greatstorm both demonstrated at least very redim- uh, rudimentary, rather, force healing powers. Oh, with sure. Eric right. of Life. Okay, when uh, he snaps his leg in half? Uses, yep. yep. <laughs> yes. Lode and Greatstorm uses the force to block out pain from his broken leg, um, just like Anakin with his broken femurs in the expanded <laughs> edition of the Phantom Menace novelization. <laughs> Um, multiple, <laughs> multiple. There's your first Easter egg of the. Oh my god! Right. Um, multiple Jedi use what's called the Jedi mind touch, mm-hmm. but that's the Jedi mind trick, depending on who you ask. So that was interesting. Um, the the Jedi in this era are, are better than the. Than, I guess so. Than the prequel Jedi, they don't do any tricks. <laughs> it's, a, it's a gentle touch, yes. right? Just, just, the just nudge. a nudge. Jedi yeah. mind nudge. All right, last couple. Indira flies a starship using the Force while she is actively physically flying another ship at the same time, and probably my favorite one. Avar, Chris, and Elzar Man make it rain. Okay, cue oh the Fat God. Joe soundtrack. <laughs> those of you that are familiar with what I'm talking about. Guys, what was your favorite force power? What did you think overall about the, the power that was depicted by the Jedi in this story? I was a, uh, I was a big fan of yeah. the battle meditation. Like, you guys know how much of a KOTOR nut I am. And the way that... Uh, it always weirded me out how battle meditation worked, like, in, in KOTOR, because they talked about Bastila, like... She just made battle better. Like it wasn't yeah. really highlighted, like how exactly it happened. She's just like, you know, she 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 sits on the le- on the floor with her legs crossed, and, and battle is is right. good, right? Like, what the hell does that mean? But this this Avar Chris's battle meditation, like it described like her ability to communicate with other other Jedi, and other Jedi would respond to her like with this like telekinetic thing, telepathic thing, like. It was awesome. Yeah. I absolutely loved it. Like in that those early scenes, it was really. I think that's fantastic. really what it comes down to is the way Soul described it all. Like even if it wasn't all new, the descriptions definitely were, and it was. It, and I think it, he really led us down the garden path of realizing the Force has always been described to us as the ultimate power in the universe, right? It is the universal power, so of course it can do all these things. Yeah. So once you get out of the way, get out of the reeds, like. When all of the Jedi across the Hetzel system all focused to stop that one thing from, from flying into the sun, like, that was absolutely insane power. But the way it was described, that was probably, my, honestly, my favorite power bit was all of them across, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of kilometers focusing on a single object. Yeah. 
because oh, yeah. they that's could link up point. together because that's how strong the bond of the Jedi used to be. Um, was really powerful for me. Right. I, although my favorites were probably some of the tech stuff that we'll get into later. Yeah, hey, Charles, you didn't even. I think you missed yeah, that I didn't one. Even like, mention where it. they? What, what, I forget the. You, you know the. You know the one where where all the Jedi like use the Force so hard from across the galaxy <laughs> to move a giant object from smashing into a planet that like you know a couple of Jedi died doing it. No big deal, <laughs> right? Yeah, they <laughs> and, and also like, the fact that they were like, she's like, my Jedi do this, and they're like, yeah, and some of them died, and they're like, that's awful, but like it, 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 there wasn't a second thought. Because they could save right. people, yeah. like right, right, yeah, it blew right over that. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm glad that we got a science lesson out of this too, with Avar, Chris, and Elzar man teaching us how they made it rain. They didn't just yeah! make it rain, right? <laughs> yes, they lifted the hot air from around those droids up a little <laughs> bit higher than like regular climate change would do for you, and yeah. then. And in the condensation and the cloud forms in the in the sky, it was fantastic. <laughs> Charles Soli absolutely had to look up yeah. some basic well, meteorology I, to do that. Right. Like, that's also a hundred percent why I think Elzar Man is going to be like the writer's best friend going forward because he is now the character. Like, hey, any crazy force thing you've ever wanted to do, Elzar will do it. Sure, like he'll try. It. He yeah. never uses the force the same way twice, right? That's the. I'm like, what a quote to set up this character. Lots of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. So it it wasn't just the Force that we learned about that was pretty unique in this story with the Jedi. It was also lightsabers. And there are a couple of really great, uh, great quotes here. One of them is from page 79. It says, The weapons sounded like nothing else in the galaxy. To Bell, it was the sound of skill and training and focus in the choice of last resort and the art of the Jedi. Lightsabers were designed to end conflicts. They were designed to injure no more than necessary, and in the horrible circumstance where death was the only possible outcome, they would kill quickly. No more damage would be done by a lightsaber than its wielder chose. There was no collateral damage with the lightsaber. I'm sorry, that doesn't sound like the same weapon that Anakin Skywalker was wielding. <laughs> you um, like that. What, what does this say about the Jedi and their view on conflict as opposed to what we see later on? And do you think this viewpoint is carried forward by anyone or is it entirely lost? It's an interesting, interesting idea. It feels a little naive Ooh. to me, honestly. Like the the way that they the way that they talked about death a little bit in this book, it did take me back a little bit of being this sort of I'm I'm on this pedestal type of level of my mm-hmm. own morality and ethics, right? Like that that like the Jedi can do no wrong. Like wasn't it described at one point that uh, I forget who it was? Maybe it was the the head of the Jedi Council, but somebody was describing. Uh, I think it was the head of the Jedi Council. Who was that, I, by the way? I, I've not I memorized to, the Council yet. I'm what, trying. What was, that, what was that lady's name? There, there are so many. There are so many yeah. characters introducing this. Anyway, uh, she described that like what the Jedi do do is the will. Are you of talking, the about, Force. Jo- you're not, talking about Jorah Mali? Yeah, I think. Okay, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's who it was. Um, but she, she's describing like like the Jedi can't really do any wrong. Yeah. Like it's not. 
we shouldn't sit around and listen to what the will of the force is because the Jedi are the light, right? We we are what yeah. the right decision is. And I'm like, that yeah. is pretty arrogant. You're actually you're you're perfect on point. I have the exact quote right here, and I can read it for you. <laughs> oh, perfect. Page two ninety nine, and it was Jorah Mali. And it says, for her, it was very simple. The Jedi were deeply connected to the light side of the Force. Whatever choice any Jedi made was, therefore, the will of the Force. Study and focus allowed the Jedi to become better instruments of that will, certainly, in much the way that a well-maintained lightsaber functioned better than one that had fallen into disrepair. But getting caught up in an endless debate about what the Force might want was paralyzing and a waste of time. Yeah. Yes, yes, perfect. So, like, I hope, you know, I said this early on, like, when they announced the High Republic stuff, I hope that we see the transition in, in philosophy and ideology mm-hmm. in, in this series. Like, that we see, like, there is the pieces of it are here. We have these hero-like Jedi that are obviously very true to what the Jedi are supposed to be, but there are pieces of, like, practical action, which I think was essentially the bane of, of what happened to the yeah. prequel Jedi, right? Like, they got too tied up in politics yep. and helping people and it, it got all screwed up yeah. so and I, and I think to take yeah. that and go back to um just a little bit about the lightsabers themselves i think it's interesting if you compare how the lightsabers are used here with the way that lightsabers are used in like the clone wars tv show especially but also the prequels when you think of people like yoda who lived through this era he does a lot fewer movements with his own saber like when he's fighting dooku that's something different right but as far as whenever he's in battle it's very few moves it's deflecting a few things here like in the first, in the pilot of Clone Wars, he deflects blasters and like hits the trees, and they fall into Black Pass. Like it's it's not a lot of ex- excess strikes, and not a lot of excess destruction. And I think that's where this is coming from. Versus some of the younger Jedi, but the more intense prequel Jedi are all about like I'm gonna slash through this, 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 and it looks cool. Don't get me wrong, it's very fun. But I feel like these Jedi were a lot more like classically classic samurai in their ways, like. When Bell and Loden go to that compound, they talk, talk as much as they can, and they only even activate the lightsaber when there's blasters being fired upon them. Like, it, it is a last resort, because I think the Jedi of this era understand how much the Force can do. And I think, frankly, now, the prequel Jedi, I think they underestimate how much they could actually do with the Force if, again, a Sith Lord wasn't clouding yeah. it, wasn't cutting them off. So they probably have to use their lightsabers more often because they can't hear as well, frankly. <laughs> Good point. I like this era a lot. Yeah. It's very it's, fun. Can we? Can, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's so much fun. It's so much fun. Can we? I'm sure you're probably going to bring this up later, Charles, but Cheryl brought it up in the chat. This might be a good time to bring it up. Like, the fact that they use their lightsabers and their weapon systems. Can we talk about vectors? Yeah. Can we talk about vectors, please? <laughs> the most clever. Oh, my God. Charles Soul, you, if you didn't come up with this idea, whoever did is an absolute oh. freaking genius. This is. The coolest idea I've ever heard. Like, at, at, as soon as they as soon as they named it in the book, I was like, okay, so they plugged their lightsabers into the ship. That's a little cheesy, perhaps. But then they went into this whole thing about how, like, it solidifies that if you pull the trigger, you have to have the intent to kill. Like, it had this very, like philosophical tie-in i'm like dude that is yep. so good like the weapon of the jedi is also the weapon of their it, it, ships which, that is incredible which also that leads, was such and, an incredible and I, I know we're jumping ahead but th- this I-, I can't hold it anymore spice didn't mention it in the chat the coolest moment of maybe my star wars life was in this book when Loden great storm rips off a vector mounted gun and then whilst riding a space horse <laughs> 
shoulder mounts it, <laughs> slaps his lightsaber into it, and blasts a cannon as they're just storming down the plains. Like, that's the most cinematic Star Wars moment. And again, like you're saying, Corey, it's, it's mixed up in the meditation. Like, the weapon is your is the Jedi's life of, of acknowledging its use and also knowing far ahead that I need to rip off this piece of machinery so I can shoulder mount it. Like, it was, <laughs> I, I, uh, if you don't love oh if, if Star Wars ain't freaking cool as hell, guys, reading is fun. What reading that, is rad, kid. What that did was that amazing. sound like <laughs> in the audiobook? Did it have... Did it have the sound oh, effect yeah. of it of the yeah. missile going off or the laser going off? Yeah, yeah, like a boom. I can't remember. Kind of, it was Dude, there were deep. listen. I th- I th- I think we need to I think we need to pause and talk about the the audiobook yeah. production here in a second. Like let's let's come back to that after we finish yeah. this talk about the vectors and the lightsaber. I think. Um, yeah, that was it was so epic. Like the vectors, the way it described their ships of being like the Jedi, yeah. it was incredible. Like the fact that they used their lightsaber yeah. and it was, and an that only genius, Jedi can fly them. I, I like that point. that little trick as well because, like, obviously, like the Octus uh, two and and stuff like that 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 they fly in the the prequels is very cool, and they have Jedi starfighters and things like that. But to make it like, no, these ships were so hard to fly that if you weren't a Jedi, you couldn't do it. I think it's a really fun way. Also, yeah. their designs are beautiful. If you haven't looked them up online, check out a vector. They look amazing, and a lot of them are like recycled designs from earlier prequel things, which I think is also super cool. I love that they use recycled designs for this whole era. Um, but yeah, I I need more of these in more visual mediums because, um, gosh, they're freaking amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you guys have already talked a lot about kind of what my next thought was that I wanted to get into, and it's really the the Jedi's view on the Force itself. And so one quote that y'all have already brought up, Eric, you brought this up on page 106, was uh, it's talking about Avar Chris. What she heard as a song, Elzar Man saw as a deep, endless, storm-tossed sea. The Wookiee Buryaga was a single leaf on a gigantic tree with deep-dug roots and sky-high limbs. Douglas Sunvale saw the Force as a huge interlocked set of gears made of an endless variety of materials from crystal to bone. Bell Zetafar danced with fire. Loden Greatstore danced with wind. This was not the simple network she had built earlier. This was deeper. All of the Jedi were the Force, and the Force was all of them, and she, Avar Chris, could touch them all, no matter how they saw the Force. <laughs> so this quote, it strikes me that in this era... There's no right, quote-unquote, right way to be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. We know Elzar Mann's job, what he wanted to do within the Jedi, was to be the guy that figured out new ways to be a Jedi, new ways to use the Force. Right. This is all very different than the prequels. Did this book introduce you to the idea that there's not a right and wrong way to be a Jedi? Oh, yeah. And I, I just want to say real quick before we get to that part, that passage you just spoke, to me, that's the pitch for this book. I think if you're if if, if Charles Soule was yeah, going is. in with the idea, I think that would honestly be the 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 passage that I would pitch to Lucasfilm to say this is the High Republic. I like I think that that is it as a whole. These are what the Jedi are. This is how it's different. And I think that is the best pitch. If you if you have a friend and you're listening to this show who hasn't read this book or is a little hesitant, I would encourage you to show them that. I think that's a great way to show how different it is. And to your point, Charles, I think this book absolutely made me realize how different Jedi could be because in when we've seen masses of Jedi in the Clone Wars, the prequel era, I think we've all said, oh, well, they're they're not as wise as Yoda. They're not as powerful as Mace, but they're good at, at X. And it's kind of on a spectrum of good to great. Whereas I think all these Jedi 
like I have my favorites. We all have our favorites, but they seem a little more on an even level because they're all good at different things. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would. We we rate our we rate our books on on five sort of key areas. Whenever we review books at at UT, it's very objective side of a way of looking at it. And one of the ways that we look at books is originality specifically. And I I think that is is very hard to argue that this is not a perfect ten in originality as far as Charles Soule's creativity here because the way he describes the force in like. 20 different ways in this book so like it's so next level and deep like it's very visual like i've really never seen i've never seen anything like this before as far as like descriptions of the force it's it's ridiculous um it's super nuts yeah well we should probably move from talking about the jedi as a whole and talk about some individuals or this is going to end up being a (laughs) let's (laughs) let's talk about avar chris i think it's a good place to start and Avar has really become the face of the Jedi, I think, in the High Republic era, both in the story when she's instrumental in the Jedi's fight against the Nile, but also in real life, being the center of the cover of this book and also appearing in other mediums like comics. So what is it about Avar Chris that makes her such a good representation of this era? I, I'll, I'll start this first, and then Wes and Corey, I want to hear you guys, because I, I think we should each kind of like dive in a lot on these main characters. Avar Chris being the face of the Jedi, if you will, for this era, I think is important for a couple reasons. I mean, number one, I I don't think we can at all ignore the fact that this is a woman leading the Jedi. I think this is, we have not seen many main female Jedi. and She is like the epitome of, of, of that. And in 2021, that is still a big deal. Um, so I think that is, and Chancellor. So is also a woman. They talked about on the Disney plus thing, like they wanted a woman leading this era. And that was, you know, they just knew that from the start. But I also think for Avar Chris's character as a whole, she is just a good Jedi that listens to the Force, and all her greatest power is focused on listening to her fellow Jedi and figuring out where they are, to listening to conflict and figure out what is needed. Like, she really feels like a general in every sense of the way. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, so that, yeah, that's what I does. got from her is that she is – maybe the most big picture Jedi we've seen like Yoda feels lost um, and things like that, but he's never quite keyed into every individual thing. Whereas I think Avar Chris is really meant to see the force and as the web it is. And I like that we first saw her in the Charles soul star Wars comic where they found the holocron way back when, because I think she's a good voice to link the eras. What do you guys think? Yeah. I mean, I can totally get behind that. Like, like, I mean, I'll say again, the way that that soul describes the force and all these characters is really incredible. And I'm really glad to see a, a woman at the charge of the uh, head of the council, too. Like, it's kind of very similar to uh, uh, what was her Satali Sean? Is that her name in the Old Republic? That's like that's a stretch <laughs> legends right there. That's uh, it's the I can't answer that for you. I know Corey. it's the it's the head of the head of the Jedi Order in the Star Wars, the Old Republic. Oh, in yeah, game. I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. Satali Sean. Yeah, okay, there, yeah, there is just the chat. Falcon three six. Satil, Satali, Satil, oh, Satil, that's how you say it. Satil, Sean. Yeah, it's Basil's, like, yeah. granddaughter, great-granddaughter <laughs> or some crap. I don't know. Anyway, she's she's head of the she's head of the council, um, and she's an epic character, and I'm really pleased to see that. Like, there's a lot more diversity oh, yeah. in the in the, sure. the High Republic, yeah. which is awesome. 
Like the more the more cool looking Jedi we get, the better. I want I want all the different skin colors and languages and Absolutely. aliens. I want all of it. Bring me all of that stuff because it's so it's so much fun to see the to see how varied the Jedi are. There's a freaking Trandoshan <laughs> Jedi for crying out loud. That is Skier. amazing. It's yeah. amazing. Yes, fantastic. Also, I have to I can't I would be I would be a moron if I did not bring up in the chat earlier that JC Carson said that that Corey, what did he say? He said Corey would see the force as an endless stream of <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> if that is not God. accurate, you close your eyes and you just hear those little is. like clicks over and over. And over. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, oh, I hear man, them. It's I hear meditation. Them. I just sit and listen to <laughs> Avar. It's excellent. I think Avar is the epitome of the. I get, what is it? The sum of all parts is uh, not as great as the whole. So she, mm-hmm. because she puts, she's able to connect everybody together like that. I think yeah, she should be or is the 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 head of of all the Jedi that are looking to, I guess looking to to follow in her footsteps, kind of like that how they do with Yoda in uh, the prequel and the um, original trilogy. Yeah, I think I mean West. When you say it like that, honestly, it hits me that like she's just a good role model, and it yeah. might be that simple because I think a lot of the yeah. Jedi. We like yeah. the flaws of the Jedi. It makes for good storytelling, but it's also kind of just nice to have a good role model. There you go. You know, if it's that simple. So yeah, Avar Chris would love. To, I would. I hope when I grow up, I get to be like Avar Chris. But this whole thing isn't over yet, so don't meet your heroes, right? Remember? Yes, that's very true. Uh, <laughs> three years from now, don't clip this and be like, "Oh, so when she killed all the Jedi, how was that?" <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh so God. she does have some questionable tendencies, I think, in, in this book. She has a really interesting relationship with another Jedi, Elzar Mann. No relation <laughs> to George Mann, as far as we know. Um, but you but, know what, though? There's two know. ends. There's definitely two ends. Exactly the same. That has not even that's occurred great. to me. That's fantastic. Um, we, we don't know how that's going to pan out yet, but we do know that there's clearly a romantic history there. And that was illustrated by the epilogue in particular. Mm-hmm. And it was on page 375. We saw this quote, Elzar suspected they were both thinking about the same thing, shared moments as Padawans tolerated and understood and even common, but things to be left behind once one ascended to become an adult in the order. They hadn't discussed those moments, not in a very long time and never with more than an oblique reference, but they were never very far away from each other's minds, especially when they were together. So, here we see a Jedi, two Jedi, in fact, who clearly seem to be showing attachment, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even love. Do you think that we're going to see that relationship come to fruition? And if we do see that, does it take away from the reputation of the Jedi mm-hmm. if you see them struggling with the same issues that we see in the prequels? Oh, we gotta see it. We got. Oh, I think man. there's... They're definitely seeding that in, which also, by the way, speaking of the audiobook that we did, if you want to listen to Elzar Mann's voice, Mark Thompson makes him the coolest guy you have ever. He yes. just exudes oh, coolness. I love his Elzar. But yeah, I think yes. they got to explore that relationship. Um, I don't think it makes them weaker or anything like that. I think that it's, it's going to be, a, again, a unique look at relationships in, within the Jedi, and maybe what happens with Elzar and Avar is a reason that later on they say no to that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Hmm. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, a, I would love to see it be done well. Um, like, is, I don't know what, what a, 
healthy relationships in love looks like Kissing. in the Jedi I Order, want them right? To kiss. Like in Luke's Jedi Order in Legends. <laughs> Avar kiss. Avar kiss. In Luke's Jedi Order. <laughs> And in Legends, they could do whatever they wanted, right? They could yeah. marry and whatever, right? Yeah. So Luke well, didn't hey, forbid that Averos. at all. So, Come on. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got my real voice. <laughs> real Averos. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, so, I mean, I, w- yeah. I would love to see it be done well and, uh, like, maybe less condemned. I don't yeah. know. I would love to see it done well. Like, the, the way that Anakin described—you remember how Anakin described—I don't know. I'm on a ramble here. Remember how Anakin described uh, uh, what the Jedi are allowed to do to Padme yeah, on, the yeah, yeah. Or, uh, on the transport yeah. vessel on the way to Naboo? Yeah, he's like, he said, compassion is encouraged. Unconditional and, love. You know, yeah. Unconditional love, yes. Right, right. It was cool. Attachment forbidden, right? Yeah, that was a great story in that it's like, yeah. what the hell does that actually mean, right? Because it sounds like the Jedi are just not <laughs> yeah. allowed to get which, laid, which right? Which clearly, <laughs> not all the way through, but I also think there's an idea where the attachment, I would assume, is more so like if you're attached to someone, then you can't be attached to the Force and everything else. And who is more attached to the Force than Avar Chris, right? Mm-hmm. So I think as long as you can keep um, open yeah. to the universe, maybe then that doesn't contradict it. I think that again, I think we got a couple of years of this initiative. I think we're definitely going to see more expansion on that. The most they're going to do is yeah. hold hands and exchange Valentines. That's it. That's all they're going to do. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> wait, wait. Wes, handmade Valentines or like store-bought? Is this like, ma- is it like a mass Jedi no, Valentine the, these party? Are, these are the candy hearts that have those horrible phrases on them. <laughs> and that's all they're going to get. Oh, my God. Amazing. Well, from Soul's same Polygon interview that I brought up earlier, he talked a little bit about this, and he said... The thing to know about the High Republic's Jedi <laughs> is that the rules that exist in the prequel trilogy still exist. They still take the same vows. They still have the same feelings about it. But their understanding of the strength of the Order and flexibility within the Order and the interpretation of those rules, they're more diffuse. The way the Jedi is out, uh, at outposts in the Outer Rim might look at the rules of the Order might be a little different than the way that they're interpreted in the prequels or on Coruscant. Love, in some ways, is also about letting go. It's about letting people be who they are and supporting them through that journey, which is the opposite of attachment. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's very easy for a Jedi to love. It's just you have to love without being controlling and love without being afraid of losing somebody. And that sounds like Anakin. That sounds like what you were saying, yeah. Corey. In some ways, you might say Jedi are encouraged to love. Yeah. That's right, man. That's right. That's, I love, that's right, man. Our, I our, love our chest getting really right now. This is fantastic. <laughs> Grab some water, yeah, I, y'all. I think, I think I think this does. I know. Woo, it's getting toasty. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think uh, I think it does really open the door to some really interesting uh, interesting conversation regarding love and attachment from the perspective yeah. of a Jedi. Perhaps in a way that we've never seen done before. Like I hope we I hope we get we get yeah. some more middle ground of of it's either no boyfriends, no girlfriends, like somebody said in the chat, or like. Like to what Luke is like, oh, whatever. You can be married or polygamist or whatever. I don't know where we draw the line. I would bet you dollars to donuts that there's at least a book or a comic where Elzar and Ava are on a mission and, oh, no, our vectors crashed. Oh, it'll be three weeks before they get to find us. Oh, we'll have to survive (laughs) somehow. Oh, there's one blanket in this cave. Oh, no. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, that's already already been written and put on the Internet somewhere. Believe me. And what I mean, it's basically that Star Wars Rebels episode with Zeb and Callus, but it's Elzar and Avar. (laughs) 
One heating module. Well, only one <laughs> heating module. And they were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> should we should we maybe then talk about who would undoubtedly be the best lover of all the high republic jedi loading great storm we we should charles what do you want to talk about our guys have i ever called my shot better can we talk about my name to great storm in discord six months ago and then i read this book the validation oh yes I just want to talk about. I just want to talk about his serpentine <laughs> writhing. Okay. Right. We, we didn't see that anywhere <laughs> yeah. in this book. <laughs> I don't have that That's quote handy, uh, but <laughs> Loden Greatstorm to refresh y'all's memories. He's the Twi'lek Jedi. He's appointed to the Jedi outpost on Alfrona. He has his Padawan Belzettafar, and he's known to be very powerful, like amongst the greatest that the current order has to offer. And he's pretty consistently a badass in this novel. Yeah. From apprehending the marauders that are attacking the compound on Elfrona to facing down the Nile with the help of a lightsaber gun, as <laughs> Eric mentioned earlier. So good. And then he essentially sacrifices himself, despite the fact that he's a great Jedi, to save one citizen of the Republic uh, with Otto Blythe. What were your overall impressions on Loden? He's like if Mace Windu didn't suck. <laughs> you know? He's like, he's powerful, <laughs> that's, a clip. that's a clip right there. So at least somebody clipped that. He's like, if Mace Windu didn't suck, I can tell you for damn sure that Loden Gregstorm would never look at anybody and be like, mind your yeah, business, no, citizen. He's, like, he's that so would great. not happen. And, and I think the cool thing about Bell, or sorry, Loden and Bell, honestly, I love their master apprentice relationship. I, I really loved all their stuff. I think Loden is a great teacher. I also think he's a great warrior, and I also think he's a great wise Jedi. You know, I think that the sacrifice, yeah. honestly, it hit me very hard at the end. Um, the, the the prison in which he is put is is brilliant, frankly, design, which I know we'll talk about in a later episode mm-hmm. uh, for Markeon. But, like, all, all the stuff that, that, that he does, I think, is best summed up by a quote that you honestly might have, is Bell's way of describing him. That when Bell listens for the fire within himself, he he senses Loden as an inferno oh, yeah. hidden behind mm. a wall. That at any point he could let it out, but he doesn't. And I think that's true power, mm. is knowing you could at any point do anything you need, but only doing what the Force requires. Uh, Loden is, is far and yeah. away one of my favorite Jedi now. Um, bar none, I can't wait to see where his, frankly, very intense story goes after this book. Yeah. Did you guys love Loden as much as Eric? <laughs> he was all right. That's I mean, he was kind of whatever. Was I, mean, <laughs> I loved him. I mean, he was just like, like he, he strikes me as that type of character. He's a big guy. He's like always laughing, like at the heat of battle, how epic it is because it's great fun. And he was just a wonderful yeah. character. Absolutely wonderful character. Yeah. So much. You, you totally hit, hit the nail on the head earlier, Eric, about getting his username <laughs> like the the scene i think the scene in which we really figured out that he was so incredible was when he uh w- like when they first landed right when he confronted the the captain yep, of the, the little or whatever, compound yeah. or whatever and he's like he was like you're gonna open this door and the guy's like <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And then all the, all, whenever they got a fight right he says bell what does the force ask us to do today? You know, it was it's very much like yeah. he's having fun with it. I like, like we're gonna yes. win. I like how he was. <laughs> I mean, his main goal and 
in obviously in, in stopping some of the the emergencies from coming out or whatever but it was teaching his padawan and he yes he was he yes, was teaching it teaching. like throughout the entire process whether they whether they were at the council or they were um they were on the ships or they were helping out somewhere he was always teaching and i thought that was really cool so that's he like you said in eric in the master so apprentice era yeah and i gotta yeah. say also there's I, i'm really yeah. glad you brought yeah that and sorry i'll say one last thing about their relationship because now we're going to talk about bell as well um Bell is, is is an amazing, amazing character. Joxy brings up he's the best. Or no, sorry, James does brings it up he's the best because he has a dog, which is absolutely true. <laughs> but like there is something it does. So like again, we we don't have a lot of black Jedi. And the fact that like this teacher is putting all his all his faith pure none into this young black man to be like, No, you're a great Jedi. I love and believe in you. Like that's yeah, that's yeah. that is a big yeah. deal in Star Wars still, and like to have the most powerful man in the world also have that level of teaching and respect for his Padawan is uh, is really great because I think we also see a lot of contentious Master and Apprentice stuff, and to see just mm. unhindered like I would I would read a, a seventy five issue comic book series about them going off on missions like I want to see Bell and Loden ad yeah. nauseum yeah love that mm. yeah good point yeah. Yeah, they they might be they might be the best Jedi Padawan pairing yeah. we've ever seen ever in the history of Star yeah. Wars. Wow. Like seriously, like he he is such a like we I mean, think about it. All the all the Jedi Master relationships, the Padawan Master relationships we see in Star Wars have flaws. Every single one that <laughs> I can think of, Charles, I can see the dissension of someone who begs to differ. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, this head is so huge. Uh, listen, Obi Wan and Anakin had a lot of issues, man, and and Obi Wan and and Qui Gon had a lot of issues. Uh, and I will never forget the I can't remember their their names. Uh, who is the um, Luminara? Oh, Barris uh, Who's the, the, the terrorist? Barisofi, yeah. Yeah, Barris Offee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, it, it, that episode of Clone Wars where it really highlights how kind of screwed up their relationship is. Like it, Star Wars has constantly highlighted how bad relationships <laughs> look between Padawans and even even yep. Dooku and Yoda. Yeah. Like in the Dooku Jedi Lost. Like, but their relationship is flawless. It's so good. Like he really looks up to. Uh, Bell really looks up to yeah. Loden, and Loden knows when to push him. Like when literally, he, sometimes when he, when he like when he transitioned, <laughs> yes, him. he would push him off. He pushed him off a cliff, but but also when it was time for Bell to step up to the plate and jump out of the ship, he gave him like the yep. the pep talk at just the right moment, and he fully trusted in him. It was yeah, well, well it's let, beautiful let's, teaching. Yeah, like most, he's a great teacher. Let's talk about that because so much of their relationship is from that specific. Yeah teaching yeah. moment and i and i do have a quote here i want to read for y'all because i think it's important and it drives home exactly what you're saying it's from page 36 and it says loden greatstorm's philosophy as a teacher was very simple if bell was theoretically capable of something even if loden could do it 10 times as fast and 100 times more skillfully then bell would end up doing that thing not loden if i do everything no one will ever learn anything his master was fond of saying and so a lot of that's that teaching. Came that's teaching. Into the picture. <laughs> that's all it, it is. is. It is. It's so good. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of Bell's story really did revolve around his struggle to accomplish exactly what you're talking about, using the force to basically cushion his fall uh, from great heights, essentially. Yeah. And 
you know, he regularly fails at that throughout the book, yep. whether it was jumping out of his vector to being, you know, forced off the cliff, etc. But then he does end up <clears throat> succeeding in a spectacular way at the end of the novel. He throws himself from his vector on purpose from probably the highest height we've seen yet yep. and ends up saving B. Blythe, one of the, the young settlers that was on Elfrona. So what, what were your thoughts on him accomplishing that? And what does it say about his relationship with Loden and about Loden himself and, and about Zell? Because obviously he found that power within himself. I, I felt so proud, honestly, like just I was it's kind of like I, we followed this guy learning and then he, he gets it. And you, you just you feel proud because of the way that Loden's inner monologue has talked about him throughout the book. Mm hmm. Like, because Loden wasn't there to witness that, so I felt like as audience, we had to then be proud of him and say, like, we know Loden's not here, but we see you. We see your accomplishment. And, like, when he has that, that, that conversation and says, hey, man, like, I, uh, I think you're a Jedi Knight now. Like, that's, that's amazing. That was like, incredible. That was Yeah, great. Wes, what did you, you think about yeah. that, dude? That was, that was like that was getting great. your black belt or something. Um, yeah, but uh, I mean, so uh, Bell he he does not succeed when he jumps out of the vector right uh, in the mm -hmm. in the beginning, and then he does not succeed when he falls from the plateau when they're on uh, was Elfora was that there what they were at Elfrona yeah Elfrona. yeah um, and then he succeeds in great success succeeds in success <laughs> yes he absolutely succeeds. ten out of ten. Without, I mean, we're just floating down like a leaf is what the is what Charles had put in. Charles Soule had yeah, said, yeah. and then I was like, I mean, come on, he, he didn't skin his knees when he was carrying this person. He had an he had an extra person. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he would at least fall over, right? But he made a perfect landing. I thought that was great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I also love that. Like my one of my 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 emotional moment in this book, honestly, at the end. When Loden gets taken, the fact that Bell's like, "No, I'm not. I'm. I will not be a Jedi Knight unless he's there to see me." It's very much like I need my dad at graduation. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. it. Yeah. And that, that, wow. that hit that hit me, man. Father yeah. son stuff yeah. really hits me, and you don't get a lot of that in Star Wars because they all die. But uh, <laughs> but this is as close as we get. You know, he's like, "I'm gonna save him, and then you tell me I'm a Jedi Knight because I respect you and I love you, Dad." Yeah. Love you, Dad. Wow. You want to have a catch? <laughs> <laughs> force catch <laughs> oh my god i just i just i just watched uh I, i'm doing my marvel rewatch right now and i just we just watched the second guardians of the galaxy movie when they have this stupid stupid yeah. catch game using that little ball of light yep. thing they're so dumb anyway I, I was i was gonna say like we were really harking on uh on uh uh great storm earlier like i i do wonder if if the reason that Greatstorm is such a great character is a lot to do with Bell mm -hmm. and what kind of Padawan he is, because somebody brought up in the chat earlier, I think it was, uh, let me make sure I give him credit. It was, where did it go? It was pretty high up there. Uh, something 5H. Josh, yeah. Oh, Josh 5H. Imagine, he said, imagine if Loden trained with Anakin. And I'm like, hmm, that is an interesting thought experiment because would it be as good of a relationship if, because Anakin does not have the humility that yeah. Bell has, yeah. right? Like, Bell is is really, he's also a yeah, real yeah. true Jedi, right? Like, he, he understands the master-padawan relationship. He feels like there's a lot to learn. He's incredibly humble. He's incredibly modest. Like, I think that works with the master yeah. like Loden. So, you know, we, I think we got to give Bell credit where credit is due. Is I think he makes yeah, Loden like Belichick a better and Brady, the You know, like, Brady leaves... And then Belichick misses the playoffs, but Brady goes to the Super Bowl. So if Bell leaves, <laughs> does Loden go to the – you know, same thing. <laughs> same thing. 
are you saying Charles uh, before Eric went on this highly convoluted sports, sports reference? Uh, no, I was <laughs> I was saying that Great Storm and Skywalker would be the coolest name duo in the history oh, of yes. the order for sure. Sky Storm, Sky Great Walker, Storm yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's Great move Walker. on from this touching, you know, father son dynamic that we're talking about to the nurturing <laughs> family that is the Nile. And Nile is actually Latin for nothing, right? That that means nothing, as in nihilism, you know, the belief system in which you reject any and every moral principle as meaningless. But the Nile in this story, they're also the main antagonists. And they're a group of essentially masked marauders, and they operate in the outer rim, taking whatever they please. And their success is largely dependent on their alternative hyperspace routes called Paths, with a capital P. What were your overall thoughts on the Nile as villains? And importantly, did you appreciate having something other than a Sith as the foil to the Jedi? Or did you end up finding them somehow less impressive? I, I, I have to say, I said earlier I wanted to bring up how incredible the audiobook experience was. Um, the first time we got to the Nihil uh, in the audiobook... Mark Thompson's performance in combination with the the sound effects that they put over their voices when they're in their mask is yeah. next level, yep. guys. Like, you have to... I, 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 I forgot to do it for this episode. Remind me. I'm going to play... We're going to play a couple of clips from the audiobook on the show because I think, we, I think we can do some really, really short clips as to do commentary about, and it's, it's perfectly fine. Um, but, like... Dude, like <laughs> this audiobook was like yeah. a twelve out of ten. Like the it had an original score, like it was incredible. Like there were vocal sound effects. Mark Thompson himself voiced so many freaking characters that we've not heard him voice in other stuff. Like he's done a lot yeah. of Star Wars now, right? The general in the High Republic sounds very similar to the general in the Thrawn books. But that's pretty <laughs> much the only similarity between any other performance yeah. Mark Thompson has had. Like his Martian performance was unbelievable. The, what they did with the with the vocals when they're in their mask was unbelievable. It was an incredible experience. The freaking wreck punk yes. music that they played in the background was, oh my god, it was so good. And I, I think one of the scenes I, I want to share part of the scene with you guys is I, I clipped it out and put it in our Slack because it hit me so freaking hard when all of those freaking Nihil when uh uh. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Cass? 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 Cass. Yeah. What's this guy's name? Cass. Oh. When Cassum does the drugs, <laughs> the smash balls. Or whatever. That scene, drugs. When that scene, yes, there's adrenal drugs. That's right. When Cassum and his crew all do the smash together, that scene. Mark Thompson was yeah. on another plane. He was on another plane when he acted he was that no scene space. because yes. He was, dude. He was like, like he he like he he like snorts really loud, and then he's like, "You feel it, hit you." I'm just you like, know what they say, bro. Like, calm down. When actors really get into their characters, book. they turn into the characters themselves. You know, you know, Eric. You know all about this, dude. It yeah, was, that's exactly it. That's how it works. It was unbelievable. Oh. Unbelievable. It was. It was single. Listen, that two minutes of Mark Thompson doing that drug scene is unquestionably the most epic audiobook experience of any star wars production i would go as far as say any audiobook i've ever listened to including the audio yeah. dramas that we got which are on another level like 
This this was just such yeah. an incredible audiobook experience. Mark Thompson is a flipping genius. Like, yeah, absolutely. And, like, and the way they like also just organize, like aside from the characters themselves, the way they describe the organization of the Nihil made me respect them too, right? Because like doing the whole like all the storm imagery could be like kind of lame and stuff potentially, but it was awesome. Like, oh, cool. So I understand the factions, and they're they're more like these like Mad Max Fury Road mixed with Firefly Reaver Destructoid Pirates. Um, and I'll also <laughs> say maybe my hottest wow. take. Maybe, yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> that why I saw a these great guys. description. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna come to the fly. It was pretty impressive. Sure. Clipping that. <laughs> my hot, my hottest take maybe might be that I think Markeon Rowe. If we're talking impact per page, might be the most impactful villain Star Wars has ever seen. As far as like, because mm. if you're talking screen time, essentially things like that, he's not in. He's only in this book so far, and he's not in that much, especially until like the second half or maybe even the last third, right? But his final scenes, I am terrified of Markeon Rowe, and he is. And he is so and he's going to be dude. here for a while, you know? And I, I, I seriously, I am this, – this villain introduction hit me harder than any new villain in Star Wars had in years, bar none. I love this character. I also want him played by Andrew Scott, who is Moriarty from Sherlock. <laughs> so let's uh, – that's my thought on the Nile. Amazing. <laughs> Wes, Wes right, Nile. I just want to – I want to quote something from the Nile – um, and it was right as Markeon Rowe was really rising up to, like, the power that he, he thought he should be. And it starts out, he punched Kasov right in his stupid, cunning, savage face. Markeon's gloves were reinforced with armored plates and acceleration compensators. He could punch a hole in a durasteel wall and not feel a twinge of pain. He, he heard the sound as Kossov's stupid, cunning, savage nose crumpled under his fist, and by the path, it felt good. Incredible. Real so quick, awesome. uh, shout out to James for saying Markeon Rowe wins the Dion Waiters Heat Check Award. Yes, that's a joke for me. Yes, I agree. And I also want to bring you guys to one other quote, Wes, because I love that. Is um, <clears throat> Oh, did I? Oh, hold on. Did I lose? Am I good? You're good. You're good. No, you're good. You're here. It, it, it blipped for a minute. Can you still hear us? We're, we're good. Okay. We oh, lost anyway, sorry. Right. I, lost you. <laughs> we, I know. Oh, wait, wait. Are you back? Are you back? Uh, Eric, hello, hello, hello. But acceleration nope. compensators right. anyway. on gloves <laughs> so you can punch harder? Dude. I mean, he might be the best. He might be the best character in the damn book so far. <laughs> Next level. Yeah, <laughs> he is. And the way that Mark Thompson did his voice was in- right, incredible. I'm- and I don't even listen. I don't know. Yeah, I'm back. I'm back I'm now, sorry. Right? Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I don't know what. I, I don't. I don't know what is he. What is he? What does he look like? What What is he? He's. They described him early on he's, in the book as a certain gray. kind of alien. He's is gray. he? He looks like is? a shark with black eyes, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's gonna be a listen, reveal man. I, I don't know if this is. Okay, I don't know if I pictured, I pictured, listen, I don't know, I don't know what you guys pictured. I pictured the Jedi Hunter dude from the Rise of Skywalker. Oh, Oshia Bastu. Do you remember that guy? 
Hmm. Yes, Ochi, Ooh. yes, that is who I pictured in my mind the whole time, and it made for a really cool visual experience with his voice and wow. yeah. man, the way that the way that Mark Thompson. Okay, yeah. So I was saying, one of my, again, my, Eric, my, before whole... my my earbuds went crazy. Uh, one of my quotes was, "Kasev, don't forget your hand." Yeah, <laughs> like oh yeah, cuts <laughs> his freaking hand off, and it goes like, "Oh, did you drop that?" <laughs> I would hate not to be able to <laughs> high five you, like whatever he's like. Imagine him going up like, "I'd like a number one with no pickles and a Dr Pepper." <laughs> I want Mark Yanro to do everything forever. Oh my god, oh, your ability to do that is unbelievable, Eric. Oh man, yes. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know where Mark Thompson found the voice to do this guy but he's never done anything like this performance like and like like you said earlier Aries, you guys got to go back and listen to i think mark thompson was the first interview we ever did on living force and it was still one of my favorite interviews and he talks all about finding a voice for a character right because he does he, yeah. he picks and the voice essentially perfect. right oh they, they told he it was so perfect and scary mm. and creepy like i got my skin yeah. would crawl listening to his monologues and stuff because I'm like, this guy is a cold blooded killer. When he's talking about when he was ta- when he's talking about the old lady oh, and yeah. the uh, in the like the healing chamber thing, I was like, yeah. this guy. Like, the the inner scary, monologue man. is like, like oh, he's she, controlling like, she's her, having manipulating a her. Is she gonna die this time? Huh? Maybe. Like Jesus. Like, like I could. Maybe I should. Maybe I should just cut her throat and put her out of her misery. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, bro. Like, <laughs> like oh. this guy. Like, I can't. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear his mm-hmm, villain origin mm-hmm. story because that is coming, and I can't I want, wait. I for want it. more. Please. And he's yeah. gonna be in. Um. Uh. He's gonna be in the Daniel Jose older High Republic Adventures comic. Um. They they released a upcoming cover. And apparently, really? and Daniel Jose Older wrote that scary horror like robot droid yep, surgeon shot, guy. Remember? Dude. Oh yeah, from last. And shot, also, yeah. apparently, uh, Mark Gion has two different masks. So the 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 concept art we've seen that they released before all the book releases, that's his second one that he puts on at the end of this book. But he also has a first mask oh. that's more traditionally Nile that's going to be on the cover of High Republic Adventures. So it's it's all connected. Pick up the High Republic Adventures number one. It's not just for children who smell delicious. Like, so you can just say whatever you want. It's terrifying. <laughs> oh my word! So we're we're pretty much already talking all about Mark and Roe. In in you you touched on the hierarchy earlier, Eric of the Nile, and really we could talk about it, but all of that changes by the end of the yeah, novel because true. Mark and Roe <laughs> says screw everything, kind of. Yeah. Um, it, you know, we know that he is. We don't know that much about him. We know that he's the leader of the Nile because his father, uh, Asgar Roe, was previously, and they found themselves in charge because they could provide these paths or alternate methods of going through hyperspace. Yeah, but that ability actually comes from uh, is it Ma- is it Mary Santeca or Marie Santeca? Uh, I don't, Marie, Ma- I don't Marie? remember. Well, I also love that Mari, depending Mari. on how you read it. Mari, so, yeah, there's Mari, the and book. also I I straight up read uh, Kevin Tar. I'm like that. His name's Kevin. There's like his name's Avar sure. Chris <laughs> Elzar Kevin. Man Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Not the same thing. Very true. <laughs> Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> well, we, we know that. 
And he spills a giant he spills a giant pot of chili on his way into the, the office on Hetzel. He would. It's oh my for my God. office fans out there. Uh, <laughs> it's all, all the chat. Right. Like I saw it as Absolutely. Kevin. Yeah. Got it. Oh. <laughs> all right. Well, oh, what, what did y'all make of the fact that these pads actually came from Mari? And do you think that Mari is actually a non-chis Skywalker? Oh, wow. Oh, my God. Holy Holy, Holy shit, Charles! Just drop a bomb like that on your us, voice bro? didn't change inflection, my guy. <laughs> wow! Where the hell did that come from? We're ending strong. Okay, I'll uh, come I back for part two next time. A We're non a non chis Skywalker. Holy crap! That yeah. is a hell Amazing. of a thought right there. Is that um, what the Santecas are? Is that what we're? Oh my you know? god. Ooh. Well, I, I, uh, oh. you know what, uh, Charles? I think I, I think I speak for all of us when um, uh, no, didn't think that. That being not said, not one bit. Clearly, that. Yeah, you know, I, that, that's oh, all. Cheryl had the thought. Cheryl had the thought in the chat. Hundred percent. Good. Um, yes. Makes sense. Okay. Makes I'm sense. Glad, I'm glad. I'm glad someone else here wow. is on a on a. Is this is this the first here? time we've heard Santeca Ooh, okay. outside of the Force Awakens? Outside of Laura Santeca, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's been in Charles yeah. Souls. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. What? Oh, I didn't, I didn't make the connection. Charles Souls uh, comic. Yeah. Uh, he he uh, hung out with Leia a bit. Okay. Post Empire. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm, interesting. Okay. Okay. So anyway, is Mari basically a Skywalker? Holy wow. crap! I maybe, think maybe. maybe. Okay. So for the the chat, a couple folks in the chat are asking questions. In the Thrawn books, minor spoilers. Uh, in the in the Thrawn books, the Chiss don't have like traditional like light speed yep, uh, yep. travel, like hyperspace generators and stuff. They uh, the young Chiss that are often female. Uh, they like use the force to navigate hyperspace to to navigate yeah, the uh, what's it called uh, the chaos. Sight. It's out beyond sight. the outer rim, right? Yes, yeah. they call it second sight, right? Right. So, um, yeah. So Charles is essentially asking: Are oh. the Santecas and Mari? I suppose is this some form of that? Right? Wow. Is this like force? Hyperspace travel. I mean, well, it has to be a force power, right? Everything in Star Wars well, is always explained with the force, that's the right? That's what it is, right? Is that- because the, the the family just knows how to do this. Because I think Star Wars is also really good at giving us force powers, and then also also immediately in in like introducing a technical thing that can counteract it a little bit. Um, so the family has somehow unlocked hyperspace. Like Ke- like Kevin, I'm calling him Kevin. Like Kevin, <laughs> um, he says he slices hyperspace, right? Like uh-huh. with with yeah. Yeah, so that's it, how he describes the it. Tech have essentially figured out. How to do that for generations? Like, I, I, I think it's she is she is a is a fascinating character, and the fact that she's been building thousands of these things for years gives Markion essentially an unlimited like database of power. Like, yeah, <clears throat> this could this could tie in really nicely to the uh, the First Order's ability to track through yeah, hyperspace right, right, too, right. to tie it all back into the films and stuff, right? Like we're seeing, I love, I love it when yeah. technology gets expanded, and like this whole, the whole concept of the path yep. is really clever and cool because, like, they they described hyperspace to us a couple of times in this book, which, by the way, Charles <laughs> Soul, come on, like seriously, describing hyperspace in different ways multiple times, what <laughs> the hell, like something seriously. we just took for granted um, for years, like, like yeah, it's hyperspace. 
We never thought about it. No, it's, you know, <laughs> you, you go fast, right? Like, no, Star Wars hyperspace yeah. is really complicated, and, and the way it was really interesting yep. was described was awesome. But I don't know. I don't know what Mari is. Like, the fact that she's, like, centuries old yeah. is kind of implied, like the other right? Said I mean, she's, how, well, the other did it say how old like, she was? She can't possibly be alive. Which that, that whole scene on Naboo, by the way, if you're rich as hell, go retire on the Naboo lakefront. Absolutely. <laughs> it's gorgeous. I think she's, like, 100 years old. Absolutely. Yeah, I think she's a little yes, over 100 years old. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I love their fear where they're like, no, there's there's no way. And how they kept playing it close to the vest. I like those two. The other two said Tekas. They, they, were, they were lots of fun as well. I like that family. And speaking of what, Corey, what you were yeah, saying. Were cool. um, so, Veles Santeca, one of the, one of the uh, Santecas on Naboo, he described hyperspace. Like, hyperspace is not like real space. Once a ship or anything else enters it, there's no way to encounter anything. You're in a bubble of space-time that nothing else can interact with because each lane is, as far as we can tell, its own distinct plane of existence. How do you try to describe yes. hyperspace? Love it. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> yes. I like. Listen, like hyperspace is very complicated it's not nearly in fact like i don't think it has been properly explained like i've seen some like physics like like uh like articles and stuff about like how hyperspace works mm-hmm. in different sci-fi mm-hmm. like genres and in star wars it's not real like you can't describe it because it's not like in star trek it like builds of like an empty dimension around the ship and it moves interdimensionally like and it's very nicely described in star wars yeah, it's yeah. not nicely described right and so we're still kind of shooting from the hip when it comes to hyperspace. So I loved that. As far as we know, it is not possible to ever run into anything, but they're obviously oh, yes. full of crap because apparently, apparently if you're an old lady that's using the force, you can travel between time and space yeah. itself. Like, whatever. In the like, chat, it's like hyperspace. Uh, RP Orlando is like hyperspace turning red was terrifying until Kasav drunkenly drives through it. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's yeah. what it was. It was a drunk driver taking a wrong way. <laughs> It was a red light. That's right. He just went right through. <laughs> oh God! Yes. Wow. Well, y'all, I can't think of a better way mm. to kick off next week than to talk about Mark Inroe, what he did in this novel, and beyond that, what he's maybe planning to do. Uh, but we're gonna save all of that for next week. We've got two more whole episodes of this roundtable to go, and we've got a lot of great questions and hopefully some good answers coming your way. Yeah, and gosh, real quick, I thank yeah. everyone in the chat, MVPs this week, y'all. Amazing talks. This is so fun. Um, I'd, uh, I can't wait for next week, um, but we're going to have to, my friends, because <clears throat> that'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you're already supporting us on Patreon, head over to Discord and say thank you to all of us. We will be skipping Aftermath this week. We went a little long. Sorry. A special thank you to Cheryl Bell, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Kyle Hickman, Elizabeth Cloutier, Freddie C., and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. You can find us on Twitter at Eric Eilerson, at DuckStarWarsMD, at C. Hankel, at Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and West for podcasting with me. And as always, may the force be with you. 
I felt like whose line is it anyways <laughs> when the winner would read the credits. So. <laughs> Bye, everybody. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars fan code. Embrace it. Live by it. And above all, trust in the living force. That's all for this week. Join our community and surround yourself with like-minded fans by visiting us online at utini.com. Until next time, may the force be with you.